Welcome. I'm Victoria Schneps, and I'm so proud to be able to bring you a man who is our power lister of our Queen's Power List, and is a man who has made his way to be CEO and president of Live On New York, the one and only Lenny Ashan. Welcome, Lenny. Thank you. Thank you for having me. So happy to be here with you. Well, you know, you've had a life of a great journey. And, you know, I was saying I have seven careers, this newspaper business. I may be in for 35 years, but, you know, I had seven before that. Where did you go to school? Where'd you grow up? I was born in Brooklyn, Brookdale Hospital, and I was raised in Queens uh, and Howard Beach, Queens, South Jamaica, Queens. I'm a public school boy. So I went to public school my entire life through high school, John Adams High School in South Jamaica, Queens, uh, before going to college. And, you know, we could talk about that a little later, but uh, that was my uh, jumping off point into, you know, your trajectory. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) So, yeah, but I wouldn't trade, uh, you know, the the Queens Power List was an amazing uh, recognition because, you know, I brought that home for the community and for where I grew up and it went a long way and I appreciate that. And, but yeah, I'm a Queens public school boy. Well, tell me, you know, when you were growing up, was there somebody that you could look back on now and say kind of inspired you to become who you are? Yeah, sure. Two, two, I mean, two people. My my dad, who is no longer with us, that's that's one person. You know, I'm a first-generation American. Uh, my parents immigrated here in the late 60s. And I think that- Where you know, did they come from? Guyana, uh, they came from Guyana. Yeah. Guyana. Wonderful. Yeah. yeah. And- um. You know, I think that the biggest thing that, you know, when I think about my dad inspiring me and I think about the foundation he set that now that I can reflect back because it didn't it wasn't meaningful a lot back then was just work ethic, just the absolute work ethic, you know, and not, you know, not compromising integrity for convenience and doing mm-hmm. the right thing and just, you know, working hard and prioritizing education. Um, so so that was a great influence as a person. From a spiritual standpoint, um, as a Christian, my baseline is uh, Jesus Christ, just, you know, as a good Christian looking at community and looking at, you know, how to continue to serve community and and um, civil service and um, give back to the underserved, which is how I've spent my career and my life, starting with being a nurse. You know, my husband was a doctor and he used to tell me, he says, listen, the doctors don't run the hospital. It's the nurses that run the hospital. <laughs> you said it, I didn't. <laughs> you don't know, I remember no. those calls yeah. in the middle of the night and a nurse would call him and he would yell at them. This is like two, three o'clock in the morning. Well, what do you think you should do? There you and go. And then he'd say to them, well, why didn't you do it? Of course you should do that. <laughs> oh, yeah. It might have been me on the other side of the phone. I was a, I was a medical ICU nurse, intensive care unit nurse. Yeah. Wow. That's heavy duty. Oh, yeah. When you see life and death on the line, what you do makes a difference. Definitely. And that was a tremendous influence to my life. Personal, professional, family, just really at an early age, having that ability and foundation as a nurse really set the stage for my thought process to life just generally. Well, I don't know if you will um, remember Claire Shulman, who was borough president of Queens, and she began her career as a nurse at yep, Queens I know the name for that reason, sure. And so she was really, a, you told me many times how her nursing career prepared her to be a manager. And so, you know, today you are the CEO of Live On New York. 
how do you think that nursing career has through the years propelled you to where you are today? Yeah. So, you know, uh, when I, when I was nine years old, actually, I was in a car accident and what, that's what made me ultimately become a nurse again, not thinking about it back then, but went to Disney world with the family was laying in the back seat, of course, not wearing a seatbelt, naughty me, naughty family, but I was not back then. And a drunk driver hit us at 85 miles an hour. And um, because I was so young, um, fractured my back, my spine, my leg. And, but I was so young, I healed very quickly. And um, I was in the hospital and believe it or not, I was thanking my doctor for two days. And finally he's like, listen, I'm going to be off for a couple of days. I may not see you. And, you know, you might get discharged. I said, doctor, thank you so much. And he's like, you know, um, I'm not your doctor, I'm your nurse. And as a nine-year-old kid, yeah, as a nine-year-old kid in vacation and the you know, the, the community pulled us out of that car. People on the on the highway ran and, you know, pulled us out of that car and saved my family. And, you know, again, as a kid, did it, did it, was it that meaningful to me? Maybe not, but it left such an impression on twofold. A, the community responding immediately, and B, that male nurse where I realized boys could be nurses and, you know, and it was just something that shifted my mental model. And I didn't really think about it till high school and then said, you know what, I want to be a nurse and give back to community, but, um, becoming a nurse, being an ICU nurse. And I was at Mount Sinai health system, Mount Sinai hospital uptown, um, on Madison Ave and, and, and 98th, you know, that's a tough unit and a tough environment. And I got to hold a lot of hands of a lot of people who, we're, we're dying, all right? And we saved a lot of people and saw a lot of people, um, you know, to the last um, breath that they had in that ICU and did the best that we could. But a lot of the patients that I had were actually transplant patients who were waiting on organs to live. Now, now here's the irony of it all. That was 23, 24 years ago. I left bedside within a couple of years. I've been an administrator and executive since. And, you know, when I say what drives me for Levon, and we'll talk about that in a sec, what drives me with Levon is passion and purpose, but also ignorance. And the ignorance that 24 years ago, I did not know that a donor could save eight people's lives, an organ donor. Oh, I did not know that a tissue donor could change the life of 75 people through five academic universities, two academic medical centers, 24 years as a New York born and raised through and through healthcare executive. I did not know the impact of donation until about 18 months to 24 months ago. So I'm a convert and there's nothing worse than a convert when you realize that that ignorance, when you don't know what you don't know and somebody fills that gap. Um, I've joined Live on New York because I'm the audience in New York who needs to know better about organ and tissue donation. So that nursing career, you know, 15 different roles and different verticals across two organizations it's not a part of our educational system. It's not a part of our practical um, knowledge. So now we're fixing it and have recruited an amazing team to do that. So nursing set that foundation for me to see the other side of what happens. And so late in my career, I realize now why it happens and we have to do something about it. So, you know, um, my daughter passed away when she was 17 and we did donate her cornea. I wasn't comfortable doing other things. How do you educate people to feel comfortable? And I know that now on your driver's license, is it still there? You yep. can opt to have that opportunity? Yeah, absolutely. So I'll tell you a couple things. So to that point, and New York is a suspect community, the New York metro region. I mean, 
We are. Um, our organ donors, 80% of them are actually not registered donors. 80% mm. of the donors that we engage with are very much like you described, a family member making a decision for them to become a donor. So that's an interesting statistic. As far as how to become a donor, there's your driver's license. You could also go to the New York State Registry. You could even go to liveonnewyork.org, L-I-V-E-O-N-N-Y.org. Takes like two minutes to become a donor. And there's more and more ways for you to register to become an organ or tissue donor. As far as having the conversation, great point. You know, I think that a big part of the increase in donation and the unbelievable community here in New York that we we all serve, um, the generous community we serve, I think that there was a different type of awakening through COVID that normalized the conversation about end of life, right? So as practitioners and clinicians, and we're used to it, but you didn't exactly sit down at the kitchen table and talk to your young kids or extended family or friends about fearing death or dying or getting sick or maybe ending up in an ER and on a vent. And so I think COVID created a new awakening that opened up the ability for us to have a different conversation about death, dying, and what our wishes are. So mm. what we've been doing at Live On New York, we engage with religious institutions, the community, schools, I mean, you name it, this opportunity right now to get the word out and help people kind of think about that. New York in 2021 broke uh, a record of a thousand organs transplanted. We've already exceeded that number in 2022. So oh, there good. are, you know, and, and it's hard, right? We don't want to pat ourselves on the back because 9,000 New Yorkers woke up this morning in need of a transplant to save their lives. But we've broken all city and New York state historical records this year. And that speaks more about the generosity of our community as they learn more to dispel the myths and the legends about organ donation. And I was that person, again, two, three years ago, I believed some of that stuff. Even being in this field for nearly a quarter of a century, I believed some of that stuff. So I'm my own audience, if you look at it that way, and right. the team recruited in is as well. Right, so, you know, is there a demographic of people who give more than other people with donations of their organs? It goes, it's changes state by state. So um, you know, we're New Yorkers. <laughs> yeah, so yeah. So here in New York, and, and that's a great, I'll give you a great stat on um, as far as disparities. I'll give you a great stat. It was believed that, you know, in New York, um, when people donated organs, they only went to certain people, right? People believed, oh, if people in the community donate organs, it may only go to white individuals or rich individuals, or that's one of the big myths in urban legends. In the first three months of this year, greater than 65% of organs transplanted went to actually non-white individuals. Mm. So Hispanic, Asian, Black, and other demographics. Last year, that number was roughly the same. In regard to donation, um, it's pretty spread out. I mean, there's a few categories that that the or, that federal organization looks at in UNOS. So you can't get into the exact communities. You and I know as New Yorkers that Spanish isn't Spanish isn't Spanish. Asian isn't Asian isn't Asian, right? Black isn't Black isn't Black. Um, but that is how the data is, is collected. Um, we do have to do a lot more in our communities of color to get the word out and increase donation. But right now, the Hispanic community uh, in our New York metropolitan region are the largest amount of donors. Interesting. You know, we own Caribbean Life and, you know, TC or a Spanish language paper and Gay City News and neighborhood newspapers. Um, you know, I would love to talk with you about 
how we can get the messaging out oh, to definitely. our stalkers because we also own the family magazines. And, oh, yeah. you know, families really need to understand this better. I think there's a bit of a fear factor about donating your organs. And, you know, um, that's part of education, right? Is that is that how you came to do this? I mean, what brought you to this career? Yeah, I was recruited. I spent 17 years at Mount Sinai Health System. I was at Hospital for Special Surgery for about almost six years. And I was recruited. I, I, I've always stayed true to community. I've always served community. And I was called. And, you know, I went through and looked at the data. And these are our neighbors, right? I'm born and raised here. Um, I love my New York community. These are our neighbors. These are our friends. These are our family who need this. And something had to be done. And I was recruited and brought in to turn it around, to fix and help improve, um, you know, donation in New York State. And what we've been able to do in the first six months of 2022 is we've uh, increased uh, organs transplanted by 40%. It Congratulations. Just say that so quickly and move on. I got to Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. And and again, there's 9,000. Despite that, there's still 9,000 people on that wait list. Our friends, our family, our neighbors, the people we love, the people we walk by in the street. 9,000 people woke up this morning in need of an organ. So oh, we won't yeah. stop. We want a zero wait list, but we've increased about 40% in lives saved and about 30% in organ donors. So that's been really really more a testament to the generosity of our New York community. And we are the most you, generous community in the world. You are talking about success. And I'm going to ask you, can you share with our listeners what secrets to success you would share to with them for your success that you could pass on? Yeah, sure. I, I listen, I have a lot of scars, right? So as you know, going through so many roles in, in New York and you don't just get there, right? It's a lot of lessons. And listen, everyone's got two resumes, right? You got the good one. You got the one with all the success on it, the right turns that went right, right? The left turns that went left. But let me tell you, there's a resume that everybody has that nobody sees full of failure. Okay. And I failed my first nursing class. I mean, I was told to go back and do something else for a living, but I didn't. Failure is a big part of success. Iterative learning, pivoting, making sure that you understand the lesson from it. But any successful person you see have, has spent time on their knees. Any successful person you see has failed, right? So what have I learned along the way? Here's, here's a couple of things. Building is hard. Destroying things is easy. Right. When I had my son and he was six and my daughter was two and he spent three days building something of Lego, it'll take her three seconds to knock it down. Right. Building is hard. Destroying is easy. Throwing stones is easy. We have to understand how to become builders and respect builders, create value. There's an incredible power to creating and sharing and giving and trading value in community. Don't misuse power. As you move up through that trajectory, especially in community service, you're going to have more ability to impact lives in so many different ways. When you get it and you know when you will, it could hurt people. Don't abuse it. Some new leaders wield that sword the wrong way. Don't do it and help those around you not do it. Remember that real leaders, they want to work for you one day. They don't just want to bring you to their level or mentor you up to their exact spot and then hold you down. They want to lift you on their shoulders and push you above them. They're rare, they're rare, but they're out there, right? Real leaders want to take you and they want to push you above them. They want to work for you one day. 
And just, you know, never forget that those in the healthcare industry of community service, we simply exist because the community trusts us, right? Just like you, your business, the community trusts you. It's about trust. We have a privilege. We have a privilege that's given to us by community to be the stewards of whatever it is they're trusting us to do, whether that's media or whether that's organ and tissue donation or whether that's walking into an emergency room. All of that is, is really critical. And don't be scared to reinvent yourself. You know, again, people are so scared of failure. Everybody wants to be the Dyson guy who made the vacuum. You know, he had 5,126 versions of that vacuum before he actually got it right. Everybody wants to be the Angry Bird Brothers that made that app. That was their 52nd app. They failed 51 times before that, right? So, I mean, there's a lot there. There's a lot there. So forgive me. I know you asked me, you know, for a couple of things. But um, yeah, I mean, those are really just in, in, in succinct way to say, you know, don't be scared. Try new things. Raise your hand. You know, my, one of my favorite quotes is Eleanor Roosevelt. Do one thing every day that scares you. And that uh, has driven me. That's driven me. Um, so yeah, I would say those are a couple things. Um, that well, those helped. are very powerful things, and I think <laughs> those are great lessons to be remembered. And I, you know, every Monday we have a staff meeting. We share quotes, and I think I'm going to share that with them. Plus, Eleanor Roosevelt is my great heroine, oh. and I. It's so nice that you did quote her. But I am so happy to have these moments to share with Lenny Achen, because Lenny, you really have shown great success at what you do, which is to help people who need organs and transplants and uh, are getting them. And you've improved that so dramatically. So thank you so much. You are truly a power lister. You are thank a power you. man. Thank uh, you. I'm so proud of that. And, and listen, I want to thank Schnapps Media for getting the word out. I think uh, just in the last month or two, we were in every local newspaper getting that word out. We'll do more, but but you are saving lives. This this podcast will save lives. Somebody will hear this. They will make a, a decision they otherwise wouldn't have made, and they will save people. So we have a direct correlation to engagement, media, and education, and we, we welcome you and thank you for being a part of that. Well, I thank you. Have a wonderful weekend. Bye, Lenny. You too. Be well. Take care. Bye-bye. This is Victoria Schnepp saying... Goodbye until next time. Thank you.